Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. How's everyone doing? Doing all right? You're here, you're alive, you're awake. Excited for that. That's always a good thing. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for this week, and really, before we, we uh, dive into God's Word this morning, I do want to highlight, and our Next Steps team will highlight as well, this Friday is Good Friday, and uh, we are very excited about the service that we are going to have together at our church building. So maybe um, you don't even know, you might not know, we have a church building. We meet here on Sundays uh, for space and for our kids are on the other side of that wall and our main space here. But we do have a church building and we're going to be gathering there this Sunday, uh, this Friday at 7 p.m., uh, 50 Bell Avenue, just about a mile and a half from here. And our Good Friday service is going to be very unique. It's going to be very interactive. Uh, you're going to hear from multiple people throughout the night. There's going to be a lot of hands-on response time, and there is Blaze Kids. And so I really am kind of like encouraging and inviting, like strong encouragement to be with us this Friday at 7 p.m. at the building. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful service. And then next Sunday is Easter Sunday, everybody. You excited for that? It's going to be a good Sunday, 9.30 and 11, and we have a few more Easter invite kits in the back by the door and so if you invited your one, but you have a two, uh, now's your chance uh, to take one of those kits and bring it to that person for our Easter services next week. Uh, today is Palm Sunday, which really like throughout Christian history, throughout the timeline of Christianity, uh, this Sunday has been recognized and observed as, as a holy day, as one that kicks off Holy Week, where we just, we remember that moment where Jesus entered Jerusalem. And if you've never heard about that moment, well, today we're going to read about it in the scriptures. But there's a, a theme to Palm Sunday that we are going to just, we're going to discuss a whole lot this morning. And it's this, that Jesus is king. Jesus is king. That's kind of the theme. If you were on a game show or you were just around a table with friends and suddenly they said, does anyone here know the theme of Palm Sunday? What would you say? Jesus is? King. There you go. The right side's going to win that game show. Left side, Jesus is? King. There we go. Okay, so that's the theme of Palm Sunday. That we recognize the moment where Jesus was hailed. He was honored as king. So today we're going to talk about the king. We're going to talk about a lot of different kings. I think as a people and as society, there's something in us that longs for a king. We, we're attracted to someone who does something with authority, with strength. And maybe here, like in our culture, we don't have a monarchy. So maybe for you, like me, it's like, well, I'm just attracted to Marvel superheroes. Anybody out there? Come on, like just King Thor. Just, just, like we're, just, we're looking at these superheroes. We're looking at people of influence, of strength. And we're saying, ah, like there's, there's someone that maybe I not give him the title king in my life, but someone I look to in that way. So let's make it practical for all of us. In the beginning part of our time, I want to try my best to convince you that this morning, if you, would, if you would really be honest, you'd realize someone or something is king in your life. I'll ask it this way. Who or what have you crowned? Who or what in your life have you crowned? All of us are putting the crown somewhere. All of us are desiring something or someone to look to to say that has such value and importance in my life that they actually are crowned 
call the shots. C.S. Lewis says this, where men are forbidden to honor a king, they honor millionaires, athletes, or film stars instead. Don't miss this part. For spiritual nature, like bodily nature, will be served. Deny it food, and it will gobble poison. It's that second half of his statement that I want to talk about. See, the crowning that we do in our lives for kings is actually a spiritual desire that we have. See, you were created to look to someone or something as king. It's spiritual. It's more than just uh, being infatuated with a person or an experience. It's more than that. It's actually this spiritual part of who you are. You were made to crown someone something king. And what C.S. Lewis says is if we deny that desire in our lives— We will just gobble poison, meaning we are so hungry for someone or something to be king in our lives, we'll settle. (laughs) We'll settle. Poison, junk food, it doesn't matter. Something is going to rule us. Now, the something may be you, King Keith. You you may be, and please do not make me your king. You will not be happy about that, okay? Uh, Not not even my family shouldn't do that. But you you may be the king in your life because you and I are desperate to put the crown somewhere. We need a king. So let me point out three potential kings, and there are many more. In fact, at the end of our time together, I'll give you a whole list of possible kings in, in your life. But as I was praying, and as I have the privilege alongside Amy and our leadership team here, to pastor Blaze Church, I was praying and asking the Holy Spirit if there were three that could just cover the basis of Blaze Church, the people of Blaze, what three might be the most likely to receive the crown in our lives? And so I do believe that you'll be able to relate to at least one, if not all of these three. So who might be king in your life? Well, how about this guy, career? Put the crown on, make him look a little cool, a little sideways crown. Put the crown on career. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you simply like your job. That's a great thing if you like your job. It means when we crown career king, we look to career for affirmation, for worth, for identity, for meaning, for purpose. It is ultimate in our lives. Think of it this way. If tomorrow you woke up and your career was gone, would there be a piece of you that was so lost and devastated, so despairing that you would actually not know who you are any longer because that's missing? That's what it means to make something king. Some of you hear that and say, can we pray towards that? I'd love to not have my job. So career may not be your king if that's you. For others, for others, it's children. Children are the king of our lives. Now, we may look at this and say, hold on a second. Are you telling me not to like my kids? Because I have days like that. Am I in the right when I don't like my kids? Like, (laughs) this is awesome. I'm coming back to this church. Okay, like your kids, love your kids. But your kids cannot be king in your life. If your child says, I hate you to you or about you, it's a devastating blow. It is. It hurts question is, does it hurt so much that you will shift everything about you to make sure you're still approved of by your children? 
Because maybe your worst nightmare in life is that your children no longer love you or approve of you. It could be, it could be that they're king in your life. That it dominates your thoughts and even your prayers and your dreams. I hope my kids love me. I hope they approve of me. I hope they grow up the way I want them to. All of it centers around children. Now, maybe if it's not career or children, it could be this one, comfort. In fact, some of you don't have this or this because you love this. <laughs> like, I'm just, I, just, I just love this one. Just, we don't need this. I'm living, living for the weekend. Every day is the weekend. Come on. Hey, comfort. Comfort is an easy king, especially here in our society, where whenever anything gets a little uncomfortable, we feel as if we've lost some meaning or some purpose or how am I going to go through this day now? Things are really hard. I didn't plan for that moment. And we get all out of sorts because if we're honest, which we should be, we've crowned comfort as king in our lives. It is what we live for. So here's what I want you to realize this morning. Whatever you're living for, it does not serve you. You serve it. Whatever you're living for, you think that, that you know, it's, it's helping you. Your career is adding to you. Your children are adding. Comfort is adding. But the reality is if you're living for it, if you've crowned it, well, then you serve it. I will allow these creepy mannequin heads to now face you for the remainder of our time together. You serve it. So if all of this is true, then who should get the crown? So let's turn to the, the scriptures this morning, and we're going to read from Luke. And Palm Sunday, or the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, is actually recorded all throughout the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John write about this moment. We're going to read Luke's perspective. So Luke chapter 19 says this, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Now, you need to understand something about this moment. For almost three years, Jesus has yet to make this entry into this very important city. He's had his ministry. He's been publicly healing and teaching and discipling people and even resurrecting people from the dead. Like, it's been remarkable, yet avoided Jerusalem. And now he's finally going. And you're going to understand the magnitude of this moment as we read on. As he approached Bethpage in Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, how many disciples? Two of them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt. Say colt. You'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. So after three years, finally with his disciples, he's going to enter Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a very important capital city at this time. Jerusalem signified kingship. It was the place where Rome, as the empire, had established a throne, had established kingdom. They were ruling and in charge. For Jesus, who is now beginning to be seen by many as the one, the Messiah, the anointed one. As he's getting ready to enter Jerusalem, you've got to understand the excitement that is welling up in his followers is so high. 
Like this is what they've been hoping for and waiting for. Finally, King Jesus is going to enter Jerusalem. And he's going to establish his throne forever. And the Israelites will once again be in charge. And Rome will go down. And we will have our king. All the excitement. We're doing it. We're going to Jerusalem. And then, imagine their disappointment when Jesus says to how many? Two of them. Hey, we're going into Jerusalem. Awesome. This is it. Yeah, go get the baby donkey. Jesus, did you talk to PR about this? <laughs> the baby donkey? Really? Are you sure? The cult? Like, have you not seen any movies before of kings entering the holy city? They don't enter on baby donkeys. I think you meant like white stallion, like the charger. Like, let's, let's get the real horse. Baby donkeys are for children or hobbits, not, not for potential kings. <laughs> Like, really, we have to understand the internal wrestling match that must be happening in these disciples as they're told, go find the cult for me to enter into the holy city on. But a king doesn't enter that way. We're going to discover three truths this morning about who King Jesus is in our lives. And the first truth is this. King Jesus is not the king you expect. <laughs> they were not expecting that, although they should have, because they had the prophets in fact, Zechariah wrote hundreds of years prior to this entry, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you righteous and victorious. Those are king words. But then he writes, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, hundreds of years prior, it was prophesied that this Messiah, this anointed one, would enter the holy city, would enter Jerusalem, but not the way you expect him to. He would come riding humbly and lowly on a colt. And yet for these disciples and the crowds, as we will soon see, that was not their hope or expectation. So the disciples listened. Verse 32 of Luke says, Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, here's what Jesus said may happen. Look at this. Its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? Like, yo, that's my baby donkey. What are you, what are you doing? It hasn't even been ridden. There's no mileage on this thing. Like, stay off my colt. What, what are you doing? And look... Look at their response, and then look at the owner's response. There's a great point here I want to bring out to Belize Church. They replied, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. And as we'll read in just a moment, but I want to pause, you'll see that the owner gives it over. What causes the owner to be so open-handed with something that he owns? A simple phrase. Say it with me. The Lord needs it. What a radically generous way to live if we were to live our lives under that mantra. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. Every week we make a declaration, we are radically generous. And if you are truly honest this morning, maybe there's a part of you that feels some conviction because as we say it as a church, there may be truth in your own heart that says, but am I radically generous? 
Am I living under the Lord needs it open-handedness? I got to tell you, Blaze Church, there's some stuff brewing in our leadership here about what God is calling us to do next. Because look around you, like this is beautiful to set up each week and tear down in a portable space. We have a vision for a permanent life-giving facility here in Flanders. Do you believe that? Like that we own and that I know our setup team is super excited to come into and it's there. And, 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 and we hang out afterwards with coffee and, and pastries and then we, we leave and we, we don't tear it all down. Like, okay, that's a vision that we have and we're starting to pray and talk about that next step. And I don't want you to miss out on radical generosity to be a part of that. So here's, here's a teaching point, just kind of a little, little rabbit trail, and we'll get back to Palm Sunday. When you know God, obedience is your response. When you know God. Because what did they have to say? All they had to say was, the Lord needs it. And Jesus' reputation at this point, three years into his ministry, was so strong that when the owner of the unwritten baby donkey hears, the Lord needs it, <laughs> go ahead. I know who that God is. I, I know Jesus. I want you to hold on to that as we continue to cast vision for what's next at Blaze Church. Build that into your life now. The Lord needs it. And so Luke says they brought it to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on the colt and they put Jesus on it, which probably wasn't hard to do because again, this is a man and a baby donkey. And so he steps up onto the colt and he's now going on. And what does it say? As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. John writes for us in his description that they cut down palm branches and spread them out as well. Hence why today has become known as Palm Sunday. What did that represent? Well, culturally, in the first century, palm branches had a very specific representation. It actually represented Jewish nationalism. It was the symbol of the Jewish people. So as Jesus is entering, remember, Jerusalem is under Roman control. As Jesus is entering, and they're getting ready to now hail him as king, the king they want is a political, military ruler. And they're looking at King Jesus. Yeah, the donkey thing's weird, but we'll turn this around for you, Jesus. We'll cut down palm branches, which says Jewish nationalism. We'll throw our cloaks, which symbolized hail the king. Hail the king. Hail which king? Hail the Jewish king. See, the king that they most wanted was that national king that would bring them freedom from Rome. And so when he came near the place, Luke goes on to say, where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And here's what they declared. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You may be familiar with the Hebrew word that's used, Hosanna. Have you heard it before? They're cheering, Hosanna. Let's say that together. Hosanna, which simply means, oh, save. Oh, save. Hosanna. Oh, save. Now, I'm going to spoil some things about Holy Week if you don't know how the story goes. It's Sunday. And as the king is riding in, in a very obscure, lowly way, the crowd is looking at this man, Jesus. He's not the king they expect. 
that they want him to be the king. They want. And they're cheering, save us, Hosanna. The crowd is cheering, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is the king, peace. How is it that five days later, the chant goes from Hosanna to crucify him? How is it? Because when you create your own king, it will always let you down. And when it does, you'll discard it. Because you and I were not made to crown horizontal things as king in our life. And it will always fail us. What happened is the people realized over those five days, wait a second, you're not here to overthrow Rome. You're not here to do what we want. We, we don't want you to be king. See, your king is whoever or whatever you crown. And on Palm Sunday, the people were crowning Jesus, but who they were really crowning was political Jesus, was military Jesus, was whoever they wanted him to be. And you've got to understand this. The creator of the universe, he gets to decide who he gets to be in your life. He gets to be Lord and Savior. Lord, you have full control. Savior, you are the one who saves me. Hosanna. I think the problem that we still face 2,000 years later is we're trying to create Jesus in our lives. And we get messed with when the created Jesus that we've formed doesn't live up to the kingship that we expect. I wasn't supposed to get sick. It wasn't supposed to end this way. I wasn't supposed to lose my job. My children are broken. And if we're honest, we realize we didn't actually put the crown on King Jesus. We put the crown on the version of Jesus we created. And we were blind. Let's see how this day ends. So some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. The religious leaders are the Pharisees, and they're speaking up saying, Your disciples should not be shouting out prophecies about you. It's blasphemy. Rebuke them. Jesus says, I tell you, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, this is where being a product of 90s Christianity and Sunday school comes into play because we have a song for everything. It ain't no rock gonna cry in my place. All right, clearly I'm the only one that's jacked up from preschool, elementary, VBS songs. Here we go. So as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, look at this, he wept over it. He's looking out at Jerusalem, and he said, don't miss this, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. What caused the hiddenness from their eyes? What they were looking to as king. See, Jesus is telling us about two groups of people that were blinded when he walked into Jerusalem that day. The Pharisees are first blind because what they have done is they have crowned power and control as the king in their life. See, their tension point was if Jesus actually does come in and he does overthrow Rome, all the power that they were given by the Roman leaders would be in jeopardy. And so they're looking for him to rebuke his disciples because we even read it in the Gospels. They're recognizing if Jesus actually does what people think he's going to do, we're going to lose our control. We're going to lose our power. We're going to lose what we've made king. 
They're upset over it. They're blind to who Jesus is because they've crowned power as king. And the people themselves, Jerusalem, are so fixed on who they believe the king should be that Jesus says, you're missing how I'm going to even bring you peace. You can't even see how I'm going to be king because you've boxed me in to be the king that you want. I'll say it this way. Whatever we crown as king will blind us from the true king. Whatever we crown, if I look at life through career, it's going to be the only thing I focus on. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that my career is safe and stable because it provides for me affirmation and identity. I'm going to live my life by hoping and believing that my kids grow up the way I want, do what I want, love me the way I want, obey the way I want. Everything is about my kids. It blinds me from anything else. Comfort. I just live for me. and The comfort that I want. See, here's what Palm Sunday teaches us, guys. Three things. Jesus isn't the king that you expect. He wasn't the king that the crowd expected that day. He didn't come in the way that they had expected him to. And Jesus, he isn't the king that you want. And what I mean by that is too much selfishness gets in the way and we create a version of Jesus that would be very easy to follow. The version that never says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. The version of Jesus that never calls us to step out in faith and trust him. The version of Jesus that would never demand we turn over an unridden baby donkey. That's mine. That version of Jesus, that's the one that we want, but he's not that king. But, and this is the hope of Palm Sunday, Jesus is the king that you and I need. Because who we most need to be king in our life is a king who will not oppress us, but a king who will die for us. Who we most need as king in our life is not this king that says, you bow and you serve me, but one that says, I came to be the servant of all and pay my life as a ransom for many. Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day so that five days later, he would die for his people. He didn't ride in demanding allegiance. He rode in saying, I'll sacrifice. He is our king, and he is the king that you and I most need in our lives. Take a look at this video. It'll stir our hearts with faith about who King Jesus is. The next day, the great crowd that had gathered heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. This crowd praised him. They celebrated his miracles and with great expectation told everyone about him. But they did not know him. They were waiting for someone who would rule with strength and might. But he came. finally bring their people glory but he wanted to change them so their lives would bring God glory. They were expecting a general who would crush their enemies, but he came saying, love your enemies. They thought he could offer them deliverance from their oppressors, but he came offering deliverance from sin. This crowd would soon realize that Jesus wasn't gonna be what they wanted, and they turned on him before they ever realized he was what they needed. So as they yelled, crucify, 
Pilate asked Jesus, are you a king? Jesus answered, I am not that kind of king. His kingdom isn't what you see here. It won't be established by chaos and war. His kingdom is in our hearts. His kingdom is truth. His kingdom is goodness. His kingdom is righteousness. He is the humble king, the king of healing, the king of forgiveness, the king of love. Today, we lift our voices. We cry, Hosanna, save us. Save us from our sin. Come dwell in our hearts. Hosanna, we worship you. Jesus Christ, our King. Come on, can we give God some good praise this morning for who he is? Like, that is our King. That is Jesus. And so this morning, the question that we are all faced with to answer is who or what is your king today? Who or what are you crowning in your life that you're looking to that you would say, my life only has meaning if, and you fill in that blank. Or I only have worth if, and you fill it in. So there's three potential kings up here in our lives, but there's a whole lot more. I'm gonna show you a slide that'll come on the screen now. Uh, look at all of these and again, this isn't exhaustive, but it covers a good array of potential kings in our lives. Power, approval, control, comfort, dependence, independence, work, materialism, achievement, religion, individuality, irreligion, race and culture, family, relationships, ideology, image, politics, children. A list, not exhaustive, but one that may stir in you a realization that says, you know what? That's really what I'm living for. That, that's really what I center my life around, what my hopes and dreams are built on, what I'm looking to to be fixed so that I may be fixed. So here's how we're going to respond today on Palm Sunday. Everyone has a palm and a pen. I can ask you to take it out now. And actually, let's throw that back up and we'll leave that list up just for a moment. What I want you to do in this moment, and maybe it's going to be so quick because the Holy Spirit is just kind of like showing you, there it is. That's what you're living for. That's what's king. I want you to be honest and write down on one side of the palm what you're crowning. Or if you're really struggling to say, this is what I'm crowning, because right now you might say like, no, Jesus is, he's, I have a gospel identity. My focus is through him. And yes, there's brokenness in my life, but I don't look to it for worth and identity then I want you to honestly say, but I could easily crown and fill in that. So maybe for you, you're, it's just your children. Like you easily could see that, that's, that you could live for that. It's approval of others. It's your job. It's materialism. Just what could, could be king in your life or what is king? And then on the other side of the palm, I want you to turn it over. We're all going to write the same thing. We're going to write, Jesus is my king. Jesus is my king. So on the one side, take a moment now. What's the king in your life currently or the king that you could live for? And then as you're writing, this is your declaration. No, Jesus is my king. 
And we're going to have a, a, an extended time of response worship this morning because that's what Palm Sunday is. It's worshiping the Lord. And so we're going to respond with two songs today. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Like the crowd did that day. They laid their palms at the feet of Jesus. Well, in a moment, our team will lead us in a worship song of response. And I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are and come and put your palm here on the table with Jesus is my king facing up. We, we want this table to just be covered in that declaration this morning at Blaze Church. That there was a group of people that gathered in 2021. Nope, 2022. I still don't know what year it is, guys. I still think it's 2020 all the time. It's just one long year. They gathered in 2022 and said, Jesus is my king. Group of people that said, yes, there's other kings that contend for the crown in my life, but on this Palm Sunday, Jesus is my king. We're going to surround this crown with our declaration that Jesus is our king. And then we are going to worship our God. We're going to sing out a song that says Jesus over everything. We're going to sing out a song that says we praise you. This is what real living looks like when Jesus is our king. So I'm going to pray. Stay seated. Take this time even as I pray to write down that potential king or the king of your life. Make the declaration Jesus is my king. And then we'll all stand and we'll worship. And please come bring your palms and lay them down. And to join us as we sing out. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Palm Sunday years ago. And that today we celebrate and we start Holy Week by recognizing Jesus may not be the king we expect or want. But oh, we praise you that he is the king we need. That he is the king who died in our place to take away our sin, to take away our shame, and to be Lord and king of our lives. Today, we give you all the praise, King Jesus. We give you all of our heart's affection. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, amen.